Hello, it's Hayden Williams here, and it's the Man in the Mirror podcast. It's your weekly fix of self-care, self-image, grooming, and me having a sneaky peek around a guest's bathroom cabinet and finding out about the key items in their morning and evening routines. This week, I'm delighted to let you know I'm joined by Josh Cuthbert, who is one quarter of band Union J. Um, They found fame on The X Factor in the UK uh, just over 10 years ago. So Josh is a singer, he's part of a band, but he's also a content creator and has got a huge following on Instagram, nearly 450,000 followers, and does a lot of content with his wife, Chloe Lloyd. I first spotted Josh's content because uh, I saw that he had some some links with fragrance and was doing some really interesting content with some brands such as Mont Blanc. So I eagerly started following him and realised that he was part of a band that I remember from from 10 years ago. I had a chat on Zoom with Josh, such an interesting guy and someone who's also been very open about their mental health journey and the, the difficulties he had a few years ago. And actually, you know, very honest about the fact that it's still a sort of ongoing process and, and there's still sort of work to do. So a really interesting conversation, which I think you're going to take a lot from and someone that's very emotionally eloquent and um, fascinating. So it's me, Hayden Williams, on the Man in the Mirror podcast with my guest, Josh Cuthbert. Here we go. Hello and welcome along to Man in the Mirror. It's Hayden Williams here. And this week, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by singer and digital creator, Josh Cuthbert. Morning, Josh. How are you? Very well, thank you. Yourself? I'm really good. I'm really good. It's the start of the week. Lots of exciting things happening. And I'm really happy and honoured that you've joined me this morning. And I've seen some of your content online and obviously sort of watched your journey over the last 10 or 11 years. And, And as I said in my introduction, people will probably know you from... Union J and, and X Factor sort of 10, 11 years ago, and you've had a, a really interesting route over the sort of intervening years. But it'd be great if we could, if we guess, go back to the beginning, really. And mm-hmm. I'd love to know if you could take me back to, I think it was 2012, wasn't it, your X Factor year? It was, yeah. God, you're making me feel old. I know, well, me too, even older. But um, what was life like? What were you up to? You know, before you turned up to those big lines outside, you know, various arenas around the country. What what were you up to? What was your path before that? Because you would have been, what, 1920, something like that? Yeah, I was I was 19 uh, on the first X Factor audition, just turned 19. Um, I mean, previous to that, I was, I'd auditioned for X Factor uh, a couple of times before that, once when I was 14. Um, Did you? And I got to, yeah, I got to the last eight boys when I was 14. So it was My the year they, they opened the show up to under 16s because normally the the kind of threshold was 16 years plus yeah for one year they opened it up to 14 year olds and i thought well great this is my opportunity to you were in exactly i was my application was in straight away but i i was too young you know i there was no way i was at an age where i could have dealt with anything that came five years later for me there's no way i could have dealt with that at 14 but i was just very much a normal very normal boy you know i i love my sports i love my football um and were you at college i mean so if you were 1920 had you were you working were you at college what what was happening elsewhere so i left college uh i didn't go to uni um because i was still had the dream of of being a singer and i sort of thought that uni would be you know would prevent that sort of from distraction happening. Yeah, yeah exactly so i 
I then kind of realized that I actually need to get a normal job here. I need to make some money. So I managed to get myself into um, some IT sales at IBM, which sounds very boring. Um, but uh, it was like cloud and storage backup and software. It was it was very, um, very different to what I do now. That's for sure. But uh, <laughs> And what in... You know, ahead of the audition, and you were doing that job. Well, did you enjoy it? I mean, did you think, God, this could this could be my path, or was it very much a sort of means to an end because your your eyes were on, you know, the the, the sort of singing and and yeah. trying to make a go of that. I mean, it was. Uh, I was very lucky to get it. Um, actually, my my sort of, you know, the interview process. There were so many interviews, so I was actually really proud of myself for getting that job because I was up against a lot of graduates, a lot of people that have come straight from uni. So. I didn't have those a big qualifications. Old company, it, exactly. And uh, it, in my head, it was like a, it was a kind of stopgap, well, hopefully in between trying to make it in the industry. But actually, the, um, it, it sort of got to the point where I was like, this is actually just going to be my life now. Um, I tried so many auditions. I've been in so many different bands from the age of 13 to 19. And I just, I tried so many different routes and nothing was kind of, I get so close, but then, I'd fall at the last hurdle or it would get a last minute. No. So my, my headspace was very much defeated and actually X Factor, I was at IBM for a year. Right. And then, um, I just thought, you know, what, I'm going to do X Factor with a band that, that I've been approached to do by various different managers and all that stuff. And I just thought I'm going to give this one last go. And if this doesn't work, then I'm going to be 1920. And I feel like in my head, it was like the last hurrah, the last go at the, the last roll of the dice. And luckily, it, it paid off, and it, it and paid it, and off. It did well, yeah. So it's, it's funny, isn't it? How you know sometimes it seems like it's a sort of well well told story of that you know that kind of last chance saloon, and and how that somehow sort of concentrates the mind, and and it's it's always such a brilliant story when it's like I got one more shot, or you know the final penalty or whatever, and it and it it paid off. And actually, that year of the X Factor, I was just looking back, and we watched it in our house here anyway, but. It was quite a vintage year, wasn't it, Josh? Oh, there was crazy. obviously James Arthur winning, Ella Henderson, who didn't sort of finish that high in the rankings, but has obviously gone on to be you know, a great writer and, and solo artist. And, and then, of course, Rylan, as who people in the UK will know, is now a, yeah. a TV presenter, and Lucy Sprague and people like that. So, and it was really sort of peak X Factor, wasn't it? If you could call it that, you know, in terms of viewing figures and where it was yeah. in the zeitgeist, it was it was. It was a big deal, wasn't it? And you guys did so well. In my in my opinion, it was the and I'm not just saying it because we were in it, but it was the most talented year by yeah a long way. Most most exciting years, you know, but not necessarily in the the last few years of it, but um, certainly, like you said, when it was in its heyday, which we were lucky enough to be involved in, you had one or two really talented and successful people that went on and did well. Whereas in our year, you had. Hand, you know, you have five or six and you're sitting there thinking, God, any other year we could have actually had a chance of maybe winning it. You never know. But it's, um, it was an amazing thing to be a part of. Um, it was a roller coaster. It was, um, yeah, I could be here all day talking about that experience. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it certainly was a, an interesting time. And it sort of, uh, it absolutely vindicates what you were saying about the, the talent pool that year because, with someone like uh, James Arthur and, and and Ella Henderson, and they kind of went away and came back, sort of reinvented, and and are still doing their thing now. So it, it it probably isn't even a legacy of you know. Of course, people might remember those remember them from those shows, but they've sort of 
kind of set their path just as, as sort of singer-songwriters, haven't they, since, and then you know, the real talents. No, I was just saying about Uni and Jay, I mean, it's, you celebrated 10 years last year, and I guess there was a sort of hiatus in between, but you're, you're back doing shows and arena shows this year, aren't you? We are, yeah. We've got, um, so we did a 10-year anniversary show at the Palladium last May, which was, honestly, mate, was the most incredible was it? feeling for me. It was just absolutely brilliant, because for the first time in my life, I, in the industry, I felt free. I felt kind of like it was on our terms. It was actually an incredible experience just to sit there. There were no snakes and no horrible people working behind us, behind the scenes. Mm. It was just us. We got to choose the team. We got to choose everything about it. And it just felt so special. I just felt complete up on that stage. Um, oh, and it I was love lovely. It. it was great just to have my friends and family in the audience and have all of the diehard fans there was just a really amazing feeling. And um, yeah, we've got a tour coming up in May this year. Um, I don't know if it will be the last ever one. Um, I don't know what the future holds. Mm. Uh, but I think in life, you can't plan too much in advance. You just have to, you just have to enjoy the moment because, yeah. you know, especially in our, in our industry, you don't know when things are going to be over. You know, when Union Joe originally kind of split up and we got dropped from the label that came out of absolutely nowhere so actually ever since then i've always had this real challenge to trust anything apart from what is happening right in that present moment if that makes sense no it totally does and i think it's so interesting what you know talk about you know because the amount of bands that say oh, you know this is the farewell tour and, and then of course it's such a i can imagine it's such a buzz that or, or you know, whatever circumstances bring it along, but yeah, you're you're right. What's the? There's no no need to kind of <laughs> put a full stop on it if if you don't need to. But equally, people, I think you you hope fans and people understand that um, life has different paths and and people need to go on their own journeys, don't they? Absolutely. I mean, we need to make a decision in our heads before before the tour starts if if this is if this is going to be the last one um, because. You know, we've we've been through so much, so many highs, so many lows that actually it does take its toll on you as a human being. And um, yeah, as as amazing as the Palladium show was last May, it also brought up for us all a lot of opened up a lot of wounds that that we had had for five six years. Yeah, and it's not meaning to sound ungrateful, but actually the most important thing is now I'm very much intact with my mental health and I understand why I feel the way I feel at times. You have to protect yourself. You have to safeguard yourself from getting yourself in those headspaces because I've had it where it completely controls my life that I don't want that to happen again. So yeah, but you know, and like I said, on the flip side, it's very exciting and I get to do the, uh, the thing that I love most, which is being on stage performing again. But you've, you've definitely, it sounds to me like you've got that sort of benefit of perspective now where and you know you're all men now and and matured and and it sounds like you know you you can have that that view on it and and in the end you know trying to protect your own yourself and your family and your own your own mental health and and that absolutely takes precedence so, i mean if, if we could rewind a bit to anyhow it feels like i'm sort of i'm i'm kind of skating over all the the brilliant stuff and i don't mean to do that but you no, know obviously uni j uni j had some, you know, real success and, but then as you said, you know, there was the deal finished. I wonder what, 
how things felt then and, and, and you know, that downside, which we don't often hear about so much. I mean, did it, did it bruise you? Did it, did it mean you didn't want to carry on in music or, or did you see it just as a sort of bump in the road? What, what happened at the end of the sort of the label experience? It's, um, I think it's something I still deal with. Really? Um, it's something like, yeah, it's, it was a very, a very difficult thing to process. Um, you know, long story short, we were, we've never felt more secure and more, um, successful at what we were doing than that moment that we were dropped, which I think was the hardest thing to, to process because actually normally in bands and music, you can kind of feel it coming, yeah. you know, with, with yeah. a lot of jobs in life, you can feel, you know, when you're going to get, cause essentially what it is, is you're getting sacked. Like it, it, in a nutshell, you are getting sacked from the label, you know, it's no different than getting made redundant and you know in nine to five jobs it's the exact same thing so we i think in a lot of circumstances you can see when you're gonna get sacked and you can feel it coming but we didn't and i think that was what hit us so hard is that this just came out of absolutely nowhere and what were the reasons given josh (laughs) um no reason no this is the brutal truth no reason was given at the time oh god since we found out little things here and there that that um you know i i actually can't I mean, I could, but it's a no, no, yeah. I just wonder if they, if you know, because that must make it harder in a way, as you say. You know, it's maybe you, you find out retrospectively, but at the time, if if you just say, "Well, the label's not going to support you anymore," and and you're dropped effectively, and I presume something like that comes through a yeah a manager, um, yeah, it, yeah, you're just sort of left in a in a void, aren't you? And 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 I, you know, I worked at labels myself, and you, I can see with with acts you know there's there's an incredible sort of support network and infrastructure around making everything happen but all that's there as as long as things are you know good and and they say <laughs> but the, the 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 rug is pulled pretty swiftly and that can feel left empty aren't you do the, the trivial things of you know getting yes and leak cars all around the place or you know just and, and having people that that make life easier i think just having a support network i think just having just having because it's, it's such a hard industry to navigate your way around being a 21, 22, 23-year-old boy. And I think just all of a sudden overnight not having anyone there to support you anymore, anymore or care about you or help you in the industry that is so difficult to, like I said, navigate your way around. That was just yeah. so tough. Did you carry on then as a band? We did for a bit. We had some, you know, we had some summer shows booked in. We had some gigs booked in. So we had kind of the rest of the year planned out. But it was just very difficult to stay motivated and to stay all of a sudden people were filling our ears with individual opportunities and turning heads. And then we kind of went against each other and there was no trust. I think the trust thing for me is the, is the hardest thing I've, I've really struggled to trust anyone from friends, family, uh, business people, um, whatever it is, I found it really difficult to actually just trust people since that experience. And that's taken me many years of, of kind of therapy, of speaking to people, of opening up to actually get myself in a position to trust again. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's really brutal because people don't see the, the kind of negatives and the, and the cutthroat stuff that happens. People just see what, I guess, what people want to see, right? And what we want yeah. to give out there. You know, for the, for the music fans and, and the, the general public, yeah, you kind of, the, the narrative and the story arc, if you like, of those talent shows is, you know, sort of building everyone up and, and, you know, seeing who wins or seeing who comes out of it and 
releases records, but yeah, you don't think of what happens when someone sort of spat out the other side. And I'm so sorry to hear that it sort of infiltrated other areas of your life. And of course it would, wouldn't it? That, you know, if you feel like you've been let down in your in your sort of career part of your life, of course it then affects your... Yeah. And, and, and as you say, it would be the same in anybody being made redundant or something like that. It sort of affects your your confidence and your yeah you know your, your sense of self in in other areas of life doesn't it how you how you get on in, in relationships and friendships yep. and all those things so it must have been a, a really tough time and you say if you're doing it with three friends in the band and then there's that slight sort of competition divide and conquer thing going on of oh you should go solo or you, you know you're, you're the best you should go and do that and uh, then you end up with sort of that acrimony and bitterness even with the guys that you've had that journey with it must be must have been really difficult yeah it, it is it's um it's been a journey let's yeah. just say that uh, it's been a journey but um hopefully it's made me yeah on a positive note they say you've got you've got the you've got the shows this year and and uh, you know obviously sounds like there's you know there's reconciliation with with the guys and and you know there'll either be a, a sort of full stop on it this year or, or or maybe it's just the the start of the the next phase but if we, yeah, they, that, that's the positive to take from it. But um, you, you've been quite public about, and you, and you already said in our chat, but you know, been about your mental health journey and, and and periods of depression and anxiety, even even in the last few years in, in your period of marriage. But you, you've you chose to be quite open about that, and I wonder what the reasons were and what you what you hoped to sort of get from that. I think for me, it was uh, it was just. I, I, I had to say something because I'd let it build up inside me for many years. And I didn't know what the feelings were. I didn't actually know what, you know, I knew I was feeling sad and down and stressed and, um, you know, like I couldn't leave the house at times. But I didn't know what that was. I didn't know the words for it. I didn't know that was anxiety. I didn't know that was depression. Yeah. I didn't know that was body dysmorphia, insecurities, all of the stuff that I suffer with even now. So for me, it was, I, I had to sort of, somehow talk about it and I think that once I spoke openly and honestly about it on my social media I thought you know what I'm just going to say I'm just going to say one day I just said I'm just going to say how I feel so I posted a little video of me basically saying hey guys like um I think I just got back from Costa Rica a work trip so I said hey guys I've just got back from Costa Rica and I've been feeling like this for a long time and I don't know what it is but I wake up and I feel like I can't leave the house I don't really want to attack the day. I don't want to do anything. I just feel numb. I feel a sense of loneliness and all this stuff. And I just went off on a tangent and kind of just said what came out. And I ummed and nod for the whole day thinking, shall I post this? Shall I not? Is it a bit too personal? Is it a bit, is it a bit much? Is it, I don't want people thinking it's attention seeking because I'm not trying to do that. And I just thought, you know what, like, screw it, I'm just going to post it. And I, and I posted it and the reaction I got was just... And what was the reaction? It was actually really sad. In one way, it was really sad because actually there are so many people out there that feel the way I feel. And actually at the time, I was feeling so sad and so down that if people felt like that, I felt sorry for them because I could feel it. So for me, there was one side of it that was really sad. There was another side of it that was actually really empowering and actually made me feel, okay, like I'm not the only one. There are a lot. No. And you've taken some ownership of it, I suppose, as well. Exactly. And I'd like, I own it. You know, I'm owning my feelings like it's not controlling me. That's one of the biggest steps in terms of your mental health journey is actually kind of accepting that you are struggling and accepting that you are feeling the way you're feeling. And I had definitely done that by posting it to all of my followers. And I just thought, 
it started from there, really. It was like, okay. And then lots of people would message me, you know, I can't believe how many messages I got from it. It was just, it was mind blowing. And I just, you know, people were checking in with me and I then kind of built up this headspace of having like, feeling like I had a responsibility to keep people updated and to keep, you know, to, to sort of continue talking about it, raise awareness around it. Because actually a lot of messages that I got were people saying, thank you. Thank you for speaking about it. Thank you for making oh, me feel less alone. So yeah, that was a really beautiful thing because it, I could tell I was helping people and that felt good. And that was almost therapy for me. Um, and hopefully it helped other people. So, and, and what did you do about actually, I mean, what were the sort of practical things you did once you had the realizations around, you know, that you weren't feeling great? Did you, did you go and seek professional help? Uh, I my mum and my wife were very keen on me doing that. I was for quite a while very stubborn, yeah. like I think a lot of men are. Like men are, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and women, of course. But I think in particular, men are very uh, stubborn with things like that. And I kind of batted it off and almost laughed it off at times, sort of thing. I don't need therapy like that's you know it, that's pathetic. You know that that was my kind of headspace. Um, yeah, and it, to be completely honest, things had got so 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 bad after that that. I got myself in a position where, you know, I hadn't left the house for weeks. I was in bed for days and days, not eating, not leaving the bed, you know, not washing, not cleaning my teeth, you know, yeah. doing all the kind of simple things. And I just, and it got to the point where I think, bless my wife, she was in a position where she didn't know what to do anymore. Of course. Um, she was calling my mum for help. She was calling friends for help. And my auntie then sent me a a link that said, look, Katy Perry's just talked about this mental health retreat institute thing that she's done in America. And it says it's changed her life and blah, blah, blah. This could be really good for you. Again, I did the typical thing of batting it off. I'm not doing that. Like that's a waste of, waste of money, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I eventually got around to doing it. And that was the kind of start of, of me, you know, saving my life really. I know that sounds dramatic, but it got to a point where I didn't want to be here anymore. But it doesn't, I mean, it, when, you, when you describe it like that and, and talk about, you know, the, the stage that you got to, it, it, it doesn't sound dramatic. Mm. It's, um, it was obvious that, you know, I mean, I'm not by no means an expert, but, you, you know, I guess even in the retelling now that, you know, all those, like you say, the, the regular things that you, you do just to live life and get up and get on with your day mm. and get dressed and washed. And, you know, if you're, if you're not doing those things and you're feeling that low and not eating, that's, that's pretty major, isn't yeah. it? And so, yeah, yeah, it's, um, I guess it was absolutely the, the right thing to do. And that set you on a, on a, on a path of sort of understanding a bit more, did it? Absolutely. Yeah. It was just the kind of, um, the kick up the arse that I needed to, to kind of get me back on the straight and narrow really with, um, you know, with being a good husband, with being a good friend, with being a good son, with being, and also actually being the best possible version of myself to get through each day. Yeah. Yeah, I did that. And then I had some regular therapy after that. I felt like I still needed a bit more help. So I went to the doctors and they put me on some mild antidepressants. So, you know, I've, I've been through that sort of journey and I still feel like, you know, I st- I'm still in a position where I need to check in on myself regularly. I still have down days a lot, but I can deal with them better now. And I want to make sure that I, for as long as I have a platform to talk about it on, I want to continue to to speak about these things because if, like I said, people feel the way I felt, that's a really difficult place to be in. And I can only, I can only feel sorry for people that feel that way. So sort of heart-wrenching hearing, 
hearing the story. And and I suppose, did you ever encounter any of the sort of pushback? Because, you know, the, the, I hope there isn't, but you can imagine some people saying, well, you know, he's a yeah. young guy and he's a musician and he's good looking, he's got a beautiful wife. And, you know, people have a certain, maybe through the lens of yeah. social media or TV, whatever it is, but but almost that idea that, well, why, what are you moaning about? Why are you having, yeah. you can't be having difficulty because your life is like X, Y, Z. And of course we know, you know, everyone's having their own experiences, but did, did you ever, was that ever in the back of your head or did people say it more explicitly? Like, what's your problem? Yeah, I had, I had, it was actually, there were two sides to it. The side of people would sort of say, oh my God, like the fact that you're saying this when you've achieved what you've achieved, et cetera. That just makes me feel so much better. But then there was a flip side of it that people were like, oh, shut up, mate. What what have you got to moan about? Like, like, there's actually people out there struggling and all of this stuff. And that was quite, that was quite tough because actually I didn't, you know, I'm a very normal, very, very normal person, very normal guy that likes the typical lab things. I'm, I'm nothing, I'm nothing special. I've just happened to have uh, I guess a talent with with my voice, and it and it led me, you know, with some lots of hard work, it led me to kind of experiencing some amazing things. But actually, mental health is mental health. Like two weeks ago, I was away in one of the most amazing places in the world with my wife, and we were on a lovely holiday, having a you know a nice time. And I saw some of the images; it looked absolutely it stunning. It was just was beautiful. Really... But I woke yeah. up one morning, and I was like, I don't want to, you know, I was feeling very low, very down. There were, t- there were things sneaking in my brain where I like, I don't want to be here anymore. You know, I don't, I don't, I'd rather just not be around. You know, these kind of negative feelings are creeping in. And actually what that proves is it doesn't matter where you are, what you do, what it is, yeah. what position you're in, actually mental health can affect everyone. And it's all relative yeah. to each situation. And that was tough. But I think the more I spoke about it and the more that people could see it was genuine i think people that may have thought those negative things around me about speaking about it i think they started to to understand that actually you know this guy is is completely legit here he is obviously struggling and i think then it kind of slowly turned into a mutual respect with those kind of people that may have felt like that at the start that was definitely something to you know even my friends even you know i'm not you know if some of my mates listen to this, like I don't want them feeling bad, but there were there were a good few of my friends that would say that. They go, "What, mate? What, what on earth are you on about? Like, yeah, you've got this, you've got that, you've got that, and that made it worse because it made me feel like I couldn't feel those things. That you, yeah, sort of delegitimizes it somehow that you're not allowed to feel that way. Exactly, and that was really difficult. That was really, really difficult, actually. And I suppose you know, for for mates and 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 family, we understand physical problems or you know leg breaks and and things that happen to your body physically but it must be difficult well it's so difficult to to experience it but as you said originally you know this idea of well at what point am I supposed to do something about this because you know I would understand straight away if I broke my arm because it would feel awful and I need to fix it but I guess there's a there's a continuum isn't there with mental health and at what point should I should I take action and obviously as you described you know you, you got to a a pretty low ebb, but I suppose for people on the outside to to offer help and offer support, it's quite difficult to know where you are on that journey and that continuum, isn't it? It is, yeah. And I will say to people that ask me, you know, when, when should I reach out for help? I think if you're asking me that question, I think that's a clear indication that that you probably could do with a bit of extra right. help, whether it be speaking to friends, speaking to your family, going to the doctors, um, speaking to the NHS about 
some therapy, whatever it is. There's help out there, isn't there? There is help out there. Yeah. And there is a, I know there's a wait list for therapy on the NHS, but there are charities out there. You know, I'm, I'm running the London Marathon for Samaritans in April. Um, and Amazing. they're a charity that are really close to my heart. You know, I, I've, I've called, you know, I've been there, I've called them. I, I felt like I needed someone to speak to. So there is help out there. I think it's just accepting it in your own head realizing it's not a sign of weakness is the most important mm. thing actually understanding you need help in my opinion is one of the strongest most powerful things you can do as a human being yeah so take that on board use that strength and start from there and i think it's it's really valuable to hear it from another man and i guess guilty of potentially being sexist about mm. this but there is a thing where you know whether it's pride or you know slightly more old-fashioned views but us men are you know we want to give across this idea that everything's okay and it Mm. some for some reason or other it seems harder to admit some of these things and and with people like you and 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 you know other people in the media hopefully there's some step changes in that at the moment but there is something in the male psyche isn't there about you know make everything okay and providing and you know just sort of carrying on with stuff and batting it away and and it, it's not helpful in the end, is it? It's not. No, it's not. It's um, it's something I try and encourage in my friendship group. I think it, since I've been open and honest, I think a lot of my mates have, have actually also taken that. And, you know, we have a lot more in-depth conversations now. There's actually conversations oh, about how we feel as opposed to just football and small talk and, you know, a bit of banter here and there. I think that, I think that actually... In in our friendship groups, there's always there's always a couple of people that have you know everyone has different roles in friendship groups, right? So everyone's got yeah. their different roles. That what are play. you? Ah, oh, God, that's a good question. I've never been asked that. I'm, <laughs> I'm the kind of like joker, sarcastic joker, okay. but the emotionally available one. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, I'm the kind of one that when people are struggling about something, whether it be relationship or work or whatever it is, I'm the kind of one that they come to, which is really nice because. You know, I and love you've got experience now. Yeah, you? exactly. And I and I feel like I can talk about it. But I think that actually, as lads, that if you have got that in you, that kind of like emotional side, use it to your advantage and actually encourage the rest of your lad mates to to open up and actually have a conversation. Because there is always in one group at least one of those type of people that that are more inclined to do that. So it's just about yeah having the having the guts to kind of do it. And be emotionally available. And Roman Kemp's done some talks a lot about this kind of thing as well, doesn't he? Of actually having real conversations with your mates and saying, you know, are you are you really okay? Rather than, as you say, we can all fall into the, the trap of just having that sort of superficial, you know, talking about football or, yeah, mates or whatever it is. But, yeah, to, to actually to ask and to, and, and to listen and not necessarily to sort of jump in with the next gag or whatever, but just to that, listening ear and, and and not judging it's it's really important for men absolutely isn't it? but listen we should um, you know we'll, we'll talk more about about you and and union j but I'm, I'm also really interested because obviously in in the last few years you're a hugely successful content creator and and, and digital creator online with over nearly some four hundred fifty thousand followers on instagram so how how did that sort of transition into into this digital space and you know influencer and you know kind of doing travel and and fashion and and sort of grooming stuff did they was that sort of a natural evolution did did someone approach you early on how did that happen it's interesting i i, I think my chloe um so i met chloe my wife so this is your wife yeah. yeah so i met her eight years ago 
And about six months after meeting was when we were dropped from Union J and kind of things started to slow okay. down with that. And I sort of, you know, she was great. She sort of encouraged me to to do some sort of modeling stuff and get in front of the camera and do some photo shoots. And we went to LA for a bit and we spent some time there. And I think she was the reason I've kind of got into this sort of content creating influencer world because okay. she was starting to get into it herself. So actually it was just a natural progression for me to kind of do something similar together and um you know we just started documenting our life our travels and slowly it kind of just turned into a passion of mine of creating content and posting about it and i slowly sort of built built up a, a following that maybe was different to the other boys following which was just people that followed us because we we're in a boy band but actually i started to build a following you know i i'm not very much aware that i lost and, I, and i've lost quite a lot of kind of boy band fans or Union J fans along the way because actually a lot of the stuff I've put out there has been men's fashion or men's grooming or eh. which predominantly girls maybe aren't particularly interested in which is fine but I've managed to actually grow a really big male following which I'm very grateful for because you know they're the ones that allow me to to work with the brands that I work with and create the content yeah. I create so yeah it was a very natural progression from the band and I just I just love the kind of I get a buzz when I get a campaign. You know, I did a Mont, you know, yeah. we spoke off air about this, but I did a Mont Blanc. Yeah, the Mont Blanc thing. And it was just, it was yeah, amazing. it was just brilliant. And, you know, I was just so happy and so um, excited to, to have been approached by a brand that I have loved for as long as I can remember. So for me, that was a very proud moment. It's like, oh my God, like that's a top brand that want to work with me. That's, that's a real pinch me moment. And I think I've still got that buzz when campaigns come in. So... I always say, I said to Chloe recently, I said, for as long as the buzz is there, I will continue to do it. The moment that that's gone, I will look elsewhere at doing other things. It becomes a chore, you know. That. Exactly. So yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been great fun. And I, um, I've been really enjoyed the kind of process. Like it obviously comes with its, God, does it come with its down days and stresses because, you know, everything is very public. So we're essentially yeah you're still putting yourself out there aren't exactly you, you know if, if if a piece of content bombs and flops and isn't seen by anyone and no one likes it then that that's you can't hide away from that it's out there for everyone to see so yeah it, it it's it comes with its pros and cons for sure and does it help doing it with chloe i mean it, it feels like you know some of the content you do together that is perhaps i mean I'll, I'll put links and everything on the show notes and and um, let people know where they can find you, oh, if, thank if, you. They, if they haven't done already but it, it must be nice to be able to do that with your wife and there's some great fashion stuff and some you know lifestyle stuff that you do together I guess it's is it helpful for you to be able to support each other and and sort of bounce off each other with that stuff for sure for sure I mean it's it's lovely being able to to work together and, and come together on on our terms I guess it's um it's really nice it's it's also good for me because I'm a lazy, a lazy bastard. And so, <laughs> she, can, um, she can drive you. Yeah. So if I'm seeing her, make it happen. If I'm seeing her posting loads of stuff and I'm being lazy, then it's like, oh, get on with oh, it. Josh, like, you know, yeah. get up, get, get some, get, get, you get your shit done. So it's actually, yeah. um, it's nice in that sense. Um, but then you can flip it and you can kind of think, well, it can also then make you feel a bit crap about yourself because the person you're you're spending every day of your life with is being really proactive and if you're not it can often make you feel a bit sluggish and a bit yeah but actually it's 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 a it's a funny one doing the same thing as your partner is a real it's a real funny one because you can't help but naturally be a tiny 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 bit 
competitive because you're human beings. I suppose. Yeah, of course. And, you know, I'm not, God, I want her to succeed. Of course I do. But actually, there's this tiny part of you as a human being that's just competitive against everyone. And and, and you can't get rid of that sometimes. So it's a funny one. It's a real kind of like, it's a difficult one to balance and, and juggle around with. But I'd much rather have someone that I'm with that completely understands my job than not. So for, for some of those Union J fans or, or people who are fans of your music, I mean, you still post, I think you do your sort of Sunday singing thing. So there, there is still some some killer vocals in there occasionally <laughs> I don't as know. well. So nice to keep... <laughs> I don't know if they're killer anymore, but I appreciate that. Still got it. Still got it. Very kind. Very nice. It's <laughs> nice to see, you know, I love my singing. And, and, and for me, with my mental health, having routine is the most important thing. So I set myself a goal at the start of the year to post a singing cover every single Sunday. So I at least know I've got that routine booked in every single week, Yeah, which is nice. So yeah, it's cool. And singing's good for the soul anyway, isn't absolutely, it? Absolutely, Singing mate. makes you feel good. Absolutely. I think, you know, even as a... a even if you pe- can't sing, I'd imagine. Oh yeah, me as a rank amateur, actually, it's, <laughs> a, it's a lovely thing. Yeah, it just makes you feel good, I think. Absolutely. Well, look, the, the name of the podcast is man in the mirror and as you know one of the things i like to find out about is what my guest has as their sort of key bathroom essentials and, and those items that they can't do without and um as we've talked about already i know you've, you've done some campaigns with some amazing fragrance brands and and grooming and lifestyle brands so i've no doubt that you've you know you've got an excellent regime and you've got you know you've got certain products that you like so it'd be great if you could just touch on you know, maybe some of those key products that you have in your morning and evening routines, you know, skincare and, and fragrance and things like that. So how about sort of skincare in the in in the morning, Josh? Have you got certain hero products? So my main my main kind of skincare routine is in the evening actually. So oh, before okay. before bed every you know, I, I I'll always wash my face with a with a face wash. Um Dermalogica is a brilliant um yeah, has some good. brilliant what products it? for that stuff. You know, I use a a daily microfoliant, which is um, which I didn't know existed until three, four years ago, is kind of like a you know you basically exfoliate your skin, but very but it's gentle, very subtly, yeah. very gentle, and it kind of just gets rid of dirt and um, you know oils that build up, which ultimately can lead to spots and you know dark circles on your eyes. You know it can lead to kind of lots of different stuff. Um, so that's the kind of first thing I do: always make sure I wash my face because even if you're at home, you still collecting dirt on your face you're still yeah, collecting of course you know dirt everywhere so actually washing your face in my opinion is the most important thing you can do and then things just like moisturizing i i don't think i've missed a moisturizing evening for years now um and the one i'm actually i've got it in my hand at the moment the one i use at the moment is heels ultra facial cream which is super lightweight really easy to to apply it doesn't feel like you kind of Putting your putting, you know, when I mean, sometimes moisturizing, they can be really heavy, yeah. can't they? Yeah. You know, almost feel like you've got sun foundation on, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This on my face, but that's a a super light one. Um, Kiehl's are great. Kiehl's brilliant. Kiehl's a really good men's range. Kiehl's great, and um, you know, for years I kind of would steal Chloe's products and experiment <laughs> with them, and then I'd I, I I remember making a massive error once where. I saw something that said about making you feel a bit less tired and look a bit more tanned. And I thought, oh, bloody hell, that sounds good. I'll have a bit of that. Give me a bit of that. I'm in. Put some I'm in. in and then woke up. Honestly, I looked like Oompa Loompa. It was absolutely, <laughs> it was absolutely horrendous. Oh, no. I, I looked in the mirror. I thought, Jesus Christ, looks like he's been on holiday for about 12 weeks. This wasn't the idea. This wasn't the idea. But I think actually being a man and actually once you kind of, everyone's a bit, everyone's a bit sort of like nosy and a bit, 
intrigued by that. Even if you don't think you're into your skincare, I think everyone's got a little bit of, especially if your partner's into it, I think you're like, oh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I've got myself in a routine. I also tone as well, which Chloe taught me to do. I say taught, yeah. but she uh, she told me to do that in the last couple of years. I do a, I've got a few different toners that I use and that's always good to do before you moisturize. So you wash your face, then tone, then moisturize. And then obviously you've got your kind of eye products, eye care where you can help target dark circles, which for me is a big insecurity of mine. Me too. Yeah. I've, yeah. I, got, I've, I've got a sort of rollerball one I use from Heath. What, have you got a certain brand? Yeah, or? I mean, I've got I've got a Heath one actually. I've got uh, Elizabeth Arden do some really good stuff. They do this um, it's a vitamin C capsule thing, which for me just helps bring out brightness in my skin. It helps you, especially if you're tired at the moment and you've got a busy schedule or you're not getting too much sleep, just having something that can actually make you feel a bit more alive um, from a visual that point sounds of good. view. Yeah, so that's what I, I really enjoy that actually. So I put that I put that after my moisturizer. And then I've also got a morning. The only thing I do in the morning actually is my is a lab series oh, great. kind of daily yeah. rescue energizing moisturizer thing which I just put on every single morning when I wake up. It's very light. It's very easy to put on. I just put a little bit of that on. and sets you up. Yeah, that, that, that's kind yeah. of my routine, really. I mean, I do experiment with different products here and there, but I think what's quite important is actually getting products that, that work for you and then just giving yeah, yourself... Yeah, some into, consistency. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and what about um, shaving, Josh? I think you've got a, a bit of... You, you tend to leave a bit of stubble. Yep. Yep. I've got... Um, I very rarely clean shave, um, if I'm honest, because I look a bit like a tadpole. So, <laughs> so I try, I try and avoid that um, at, at, as much as I can. But I, I do keep it. No one needs to look like a exactly. Tadpole. No, no one wants that. No one wants that on their homepage anyway. On this, <laughs> I do like. A, I make it. I just keep it super simple, if I'm honest, mate. I do like a a, a short trim, which is like a. A 0.5 all over every week. With your electric? Yeah, just with an electric trimmer. Yeah, just with an electric trimmer. I just do it every week and let it grow out. And I kind of, yeah, I just, I trim it when I feel like I look in the mirror and go, God, you look a bit. But it's nice then, isn't it? Because you, you know, you've got the flexibility that can, yeah, if if it's a few more days, it's it's fine, isn't it? If that's if that's the look, the stubble look, I, I, it's perfect for me too. I've a bit more beer, but I, I wouldn't want to be clean No, I just think, I think just, um, it can often shape people's faces um, and give you a bit of confidence. So, I uh, I think that finding the right kind of beard length for you is a is a really great step in in the right direction when it comes to your appearance and yeah, and feeling confident in your own skin. So, you know, some people suit it, some people don't. I think it's just about experimenting and finding what what suits you best, really. Absolutely. So we've talked about Mont Blanc and and doing some work with fragrance. And do you, are you someone that has a sort of signature? scent or or do you have sort of this idea of a fragrance wardrobe you know a few more things to go for depending on season or or your mood what's your relationship with fragrance mine is we're very lucky Chloe and I get sent quite a few so we we get we, we sort of you know brands sort of send us some so I'm yeah I'm in a very lucky position where I can try different ones without kind of having to break the bank a lot forking out exactly exactly so I sort of experiment with mine. I mean, I definitely have my favorites. Um, there's no denying that. But they'll they'll actually change each year. Like I think this last year was my Mont Blanc Explorer range, where, which I loved. Like the 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 blue and the black one, absolutely brilliant. Actually, really affordable as well. Not not really affordable, but they're not. It's they're not crazy prices that you're like, Jesus no. Christ, like that's daylight robbery. Yeah. You can actually get some 
you know, you can get a top fragrance for, for a decent price. So that's one of my favorites. I actually recently um, have tried the Creed Silver Mountain. Is it Silver Mountain? I think. Yes. That's yeah, beautiful. There is a silver, yeah. Absolutely beautiful. Um, Creed makes some beautiful fragrances. They really do. They really do. And then you've got your Carolina Herrera, which is a classic, which I love, the Bad Boy one, which is beautiful. Great. And then apart from that, yeah, I've got the Gucci one. I can't remember what that one's called. Givenchy are, are launching a new one, which is really exciting. For you guys listening out there, they're, they're coming out with a new one in the next three weeks, actually. Two, two three weeks. So that's one to keep you... Yeah, watch out for that one. Yeah. So yeah, so I'm uh, I'm I'm definitely into my fragrances for sure. That sounds really good. And um one of the other things I like to find out about Man in the Mirror is, as the name suggests, you know, the, your relationship with self image. And I, I think, you know, from what we've talked about before, is, uh, this could be you know, this is a really interesting area and, you know, just really keen to find out about, you know, when you're looking in the bathroom mirror in the morning, you know, what what you think about your appearance and, and, and what sort of relationship you have with your image now it's um it's a pretty pretty terrible relationship if i'm honest is it yeah it is yeah it's um it's uh something that i know i need to to deal with actually i've and i've i don't think i've ever properly dealt with that side of um that side of my mental health sort of struggles really and you because you, you mentioned body dysmorphia earlier and you, you you genuinely have a sort of idea you know you're not very kind to yourself in terms of when you look at yourself, you, you're not happy. I hate myself. Yeah, I I I, I pick my uh, pick myself apart every day. Yeah, there's um, there's no denying that. And I think um, it's yeah, it's it's really it's a real crippling feeling because you just sort of you know most mornings and evenings I end or start the day with me feeling, God, look at me. Oh, I hate myself. Or, oh, so it's quite a. Yeah, it's a difficult thing to to sort of deal with, but um, and is it about um, you know, is it about sort of seeing yourself as a different weight or unhappy with certain aspects of your appearance? Are you you're able to sort of articulate what what it is you you don't like? Yeah, I mean, I can. Is that difficult? I I, I just um, I, I sort of fixate on on different things every few months. You know, sometimes, like I said earlier, it's it's my insecurities with looking tired. Uh, then it's my insecurities with yeah getting a couple of gray hairs on the side of my head then it's insecurities about my chin not being as not being as tight as it once was or feeling a bit fat um, or you know having big hips or yeah having a massive ass or having chunky legs or you know my arms aren't uh ripped enough or my abs aren't, yeah. aren't existent anymore you know all of these sort of things come into my brain and and it's vicious isn't it and it and it isn't the way we talk about no other people and yet these are the these are the sort of the, the words and the adjectives that come into our head about ourselves and again i you know as we talked about earlier the, i guess there could be this misconception you know and you, you, people might say well you know i've seen josh on instagram and he's good you know he's he's a young good-looking guy you know after mm. a superficial view of of, of how that would how that would be so it can be a surprise i suppose to to hear about yeah. those sort of dysmorphia aspects but again there's nothing to say that you know it, it can be uh indiscriminate can't it these, these feelings and and you or uh, me or, or anybody or you know your wife or anybody telling oh, that you doesn't make a difference Josh, you're, you're great and we think you're brilliant and you look great and all that it i, I guess it, maybe it doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't make a difference yeah it, re it really doesn't it, and and that's the um that's the it's such a shame, isn't it's, it? It's such a thing to deal yeah, with. And they just, you know, no matter no matter what anyone says, it, it it won't change the way I feel about myself. So, 
that is, um, you know, that is body dysmorphia. What's really interesting though, and I feel like is a step in the right direction for me personally is three, four years ago, I remember being in the exact headspace with, with my body and the way I looked. So, and I used to hate myself and punish myself, et cetera, et cetera. But now I would die to look that like that, like I did three, four years ago. Which oh, is interesting. interesting, yeah, because it's kind of like... What, so you, you now you'd look back on that version great. and go, yeah, I'd be that like, God, good. look, he was ripped, he looked great, he's, he's in great shape, whereas at the time I felt the opposite. So the sort of follow-up logic to that is, you know, exactly. yeah. in 2025, you'll exactly. look back at Josh in February 23 and go, God, he's... But that's a simplistic view. It is, and, and ultimately that shows that actually you just, you have to just live in the moment. You just have to, yeah. you have to just try and love yourself as much as you can because... Yeah, is it RuPaul that Chloe watches all the time? If you can't love yourself, how the hell can you love somebody else or whatever it is? And it's so true. Yeah. Um, you know, for years I punished myself and I was in, unable to, to truly love someone else, you know, i.e. my wife and truly be the best husband I could be. So actually, sometimes you just have to give yourself a bit of a break, but, um, it's tough. It's, it's definitely. Tough. And there is that idea of, um, you know, like the, the plane crashing and you, you kind of need, you need to get some oxygen. You're, yourself don't you before you can Absolutely. help other people and then i think yeah sounds trite to say you you know we have to love ourselves but you're absolutely right it's in, it, it's important for to, to to have that stability and to feel good about yourself so that you can give that out to other people and um, you know, give your love and friendship and kinship to to others Absolutely. Oh, I, I, well I, I don't know i hope you can um you know you can sort of get some more help there and um yeah, because it's um, yeah, horrible to 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 think of you, you know, as as you say, the sort of first thing or mm-hmm. or last thing, not being the most sort of not giving you the, sort of the good mental headspace and make you feel good as you wake up or or go to bed. That's it's horrible to hear. Yeah, yeah, and 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 for some people, maybe listening to this, it can maybe they go, "Oh God, Josh is," you know, that's a very vain way of of looking at life. But actually, I think for me, talking about my experiences is that from a, an early age of an 18, 19 year old guy and going to auditions and being judged on not just my singing yes, voice, but actually being judged on the way I look, um, being yeah. told I need to change certain things about my appearance. I think, I think I've kind of, it's ingrained in me that actually the way I look is, is almost my, at times has been my, my self-worth, like it's all come down to that. And that's a really a really horrible headspace to be in but the brutal reality of it is is that that was what a lot of people made me you know unintentionally for sure and there was no malice malice yeah. behind a lot of it but that's just unintentionally what people have made me feel like i'm you know if i'm not looking good i'm not i'm not important or i'm not um, yeah you don't have i'm not getting your validity and exactly. yeah yeah oh, i i understand that totally and i've i've heard that from other from other guests and actors or you know influences that's you know, it becomes your sense of yeah. self and self worth, doesn't it? And uh, it's hard to sort of silence those those voices sometimes when you can be too critical of yourself. Absolutely. Look, the final thing, Josh, and and hopefully we can end on on something really nice. Is just I, I wonder what brings you happiness and joy. You know, when 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 you when you have those moments that you think, oh, you know, this is this is great. Or, you know, it can be as as trivial or as, as big as you like, but what are the things that bring you joy? Just seeing the people I love happy. That that for me is the is just the the most amazing feeling. Laughing and smiling and and being with the people I love, being with my family, being with my mates, and 
for me, that's just the most important thing. And I always sit there and I say to Chloe, I'm not interested. Don't get me wrong. Like if you offered me 5 million quid tomorrow, of course, I'm going to say, yeah, obviously I'll take it. But for me, the most important things in my life aren't about money. They're not about that stuff. It's not about the fancy cars, all that. It's, mm. I've always said to Chloe, if I can just, I know this sounds really weird, but if I'm just, if I can eat nice food that I really love and be with the person I love, having amazing conversations, that for me is when I'm at my happiest. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. And I, I guess in turn, she would, she would say, and your friends would say that, you know, they'd, they'd want that happiness. It's, it's interesting and lovely that, you know, you're sort of projecting it out and, and wanting that happiness for other people, but they would absolutely want that. I hope so. For you yeah, as well, I, I, I hope so. And, for and, sure. And, yeah, for sure. Which is, yeah. yeah, which is lovely. Oh, Josh, thank you so much for, for your time and being so open. It's been so interesting to hear about, you know, the, the journey from, from rea reality TV 10, 11 years ago and, and the successes you've made of, of the work you're doing now. And it's so great. I, I love oh, seeing you. your content online. So I'll, I'm going to put some more information about some of the products you mentioned and where people can find you online. But um, for now, thank you so much. And I really appreciate how how candid and, and, and just having a real real conversation with, with such emotional honesty has been, it's, uh, it's going to help other people. And it's been been really insightful for me too so thank you so much and um take no, care thank you and, and thank you for for talking about the things you talk about because you also are helping um start the conversation so well, yeah thank you. i appreciate your time pleasure as well mate i really do well look you take care and i'll see you soon thanks josh. no worries cheers mate all the best bye well i hope you took a lot from that conversation with josh i, I certainly did it was Really heartbreaking to hear that he, you know, still some issues around self-image and 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 what he sees when he looks in the mirror. And uh, again, you know, as I said, it's sort of you can look at these things and think, "Oh God, he's a good-looking guy." And and what on earth can be the problem with what he looks like? But we all know from ourselves that's that's not how it works at all. And we are our own worst critics. And um, yeah, it doesn't matter who you are, and it's kind of an indiscriminate thing. So. My thanks to Josh for, for, for being so so open and, and, and honest in our conversation. And of course, it was great to hear about the, the products that he likes and, and um, how fantastically he's doing with his content creation. Um, you can find Josh on Instagram at Josh Cuthbert, which is J-O-S-H-C-U-T-H-B-E-R-T. So that's Josh Cuthbert on Instagram. So he's got over 440,000 followers there. And really great content. I don't, I don't know how some of these content creators, you know, the kind of suddenly changing outfit and moving around. It's, I sound old now, but it's he's he's really brilliant at it. And um, there's also plenty of content there with his his wife Chloe. So huge thanks to Josh. Um, as always, there'll be more information about the products that he referenced in the program notes. Uh, and if you want to find out more about Man in the Mirror, I'm on Instagram at Man in the Mirror Pod. And you can find out about previous guests and other episodes and things that might be coming up in the future. So thank you to Josh. Um, I hope it's been helpful. And, and of course, thank you to you for listening. I'll be back with more Man in the Mirror soon. Take care. Mm -hmm.